This is the crazy thing that we have to be careful of when we're looking for where are we getting our news from? Make sure that who you're listening to has actually experienced and done what it is that you're really investing in or um, you know getting information from. Because of stock market volatility, the ability to buy and sell stocks with a swipe or a click, the stock market is vulnerable to the slightest piece of news or rumor. A ripple can turn into a tsunami within hours. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. We are in 2024 and man, am I excited. I don't know why, but it seems to me like this is going to be a good year. There's a lot of chaos ahead of us. I understand that. Um, you guys are probably sensing it as well, but it's just kind of interesting because December was a really interesting month in the investing world. Um, it seems like investors are kind of tired of all the negativity. Um, there's been a lot of conversation. We've been talking about this on Investing for Freedom. I've been talking about this on the King's Table podcast. Um, I think the a new normal is really what has had to happen to adjust to. I think a lot of times we look back and I don't know if you guys relate to this, but you know, many times we're looking into the past and we're um, just wishing that things could go back to a different time, an easier time, a better time. And the reality is I've said this many times before, I don't know that we're ever going to go back to what it was like from, you know, 2014, 2015 to 2021, 2022 in the real estate investing world. There's, um, many of us that believe that those might've been the best, uh, I guess, 10 years, um, for real estate investing ever. So many people were made millionaires during that time because of low rates, um, because of education, because of people, uh, including social media, it became so much easier. And you have to watch these times because I really think that things are speeding up and they're compounding. And I don't know that there's ever been a history of time where two roads converge. Number one, the ability to disseminate information and communicate information like what happened during that time. And things are changing, you know, really fast, faster than ever um, now than, than they were even then. But I think that there was platforms for real estate coaches. And I think there was a big awakening happening where, you know, Americans were waking up and understanding what the Federal Reserve was and, and how the monetary system works. There was this entire awakening. And my good friend, Matty Aitchison, who's one of the co-hosts on um, the King's Table podcast, he's kind of coined this term that awake is better than, than woke. And I think many people were really awakened during that time. Um, and also became woke for the same reason. It's just about, you know, like, what do we believe and what are our thought processes, etc. But I think so many people woke up, not became woke, but they were awakened during that time. And so again, because of the ability to disseminate information and, and for people to say, hey, look, just like Investing for Freedom, you're listening to the Investing for Freedom podcast. There's so many of us that are like, you know what, this traditional way of education, go to college, get a job, work for the man for 60 years. We're starting to understand that that is not the winning financial formula. And I think so many people were awakened during that time. And also because of low interest rates, 
And because of the ability to get into real estate investing, I think we had some of the best years that we're ever going to have. Now, that being said, let's talk about today and going forward. I still believe that we're in for some challenges. There's going to be chaos in 2024. We've got an election year coming up that is just one of the probably going to be one of the craziest elections we've ever seen. Um, what I want to talk about today is how a ripple becomes a tsunami. And I want to specifically focus on the financial markets and you know what that means to us. But anyway, all that being said, I think that there's still opportunity, but I also believe that we are going to have to get more connected, more educated. Um, we're going to have to get more strategic on what we're investing in and how we're investing than ever. And I still believe that there's opportunity in real estate markets, but I think as an individual investor, you have to determine, do I focus on what I'm good at making money, whether it's in a job, whether it's in my business, whatever that is, do I focus on that? And, and stay focused and then invest passively in real estate? Or do I want to become a landlord and own single homes? And by the way, I'm not in the camp of don't become a landlord. I actually believe that everybody should own one or two or three rentals. But the question that you have to ask yourself is timing. Does that fit into my portfolio? And by the way, if you're an accredited investor, then you have opportunities exposed to you. And a lot of people think an accredited investor is somebody who, you know, takes like a series seven exam or has to go through all this certification. It's not. If you have made $200,000 a year as an individual or $300,000 as a couple for the last two years with the expectation of that continuing, you are an accredited investor. Or if you have a million dollars worth of liquidity net worth, not including your personal resident residence, you are an accredited investor. And so you really have to ask yourself the question, do I want to be an active or do I want to be a passive investor? I remember when I decided I wanted to be an active investor, I owned my business. We were spinning off capital. My CPA was telling me I needed tax deductions. I listened to a CD series by Dolph DeRoos called the Real Estate Investors College. And it really just got me so inspired. And I decided I was going to become a landlord. Here's the thing. I am a business owner. I am an operator. I've built multiple, multiple businesses. I've had multiple exits. I've had some failures along the way too. Anybody that tells you that they haven't, they're lying to you. I've got black eyes and experience to prove the good and the bad along the way. So you just really have to ask yourself the question, do I want to become an active or a passive investor? By the way, this is a great place to interject. I have a dinner coming up in Scottsdale, February 23rd. It's for accredited investors only. We're going to have dinner. We're going to have some amazing speakers. Ken McElroy is going to be there speaking to us. Chris Harder is going to be there talking about how um, one little thing in his life um, caused him to launch a business that he's building that he believes is going to be a unicorn. I believe it's going to be a unicorn knowing Chris Harder, anything that he touches. I was jokingly saying to him the other day, I'm going to change his name to Midas because this guy has the Midas touch. Anything that he invests in or touches or builds just becomes amazing. So I'm fully convinced that he's building a unicorn company in the fintech space. So there's going to be some amazing speakers there, but even better um, you're going to have time at the dinner roundtables to connect with other accredited investors and really work through your values of investing um, framework, if you will. A lot of people talk about value investing, but I really believe that the key to investing is leading with your values first. What is it that you really want? I talk about this a lot at the Investing for Freedom podcast, but what do you really want? Why do you want it? What are you going to put in place to get that? measure the results and then adjust along the way. Because as we know, the best plans um, 
you know, we, we think they're great, but we have to adjust along the way. And so we're going to spend some time at dinner tables that night building your value proposition when it comes to your investing. What is it that you really want? And so this is going to be an amazing dinner. Um, I would invite you if you're an accredited investor, text the word dinner to 480-531-7519 or shoot me an email to mike at michaelayala.com and just tell me that you're in- interested in the dinner and we'll get you we'll get you on the list and, and tell you how you can sign up for it. So I'm really excited. Ken McElroy has been an amazing mentor to me. I believe he has like $3 billion of assets under management. One of the smartest guys I know. And yet he is so passionate about education and teaching that he's willing to come speak to a small room of investors like us. And I already told you about Chris. I mean, just an amazing human who will inspire you. So if you're interested in that, text the word dinner to 480-531-7519 or shoot me an email at mike at michaelayala.com. I know that's a lot. You can also just reach out to me, send send me a DM, just text the word dinner or DM the word dinner on Instagram or wherever you're following me and we'll get you the information that you need. February 23rd in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm going to be doing six of these this year. Chris Harder is so excited about it. He actually said, I'll come to every one of them because Chris is passionate about educating and just helping people find their financial freedom. So, um, which is also what I'm passionate about. So anyway, reach out to me. Would love to have you there. Let's talk about how a ripple becomes a tsunami. Governments all over the world, I don't know if you remember backwards, um, but when the tsunami happened in Indonesia, the warning was super late because they didn't have the good warning systems. And we've seen this over and over. It happened in Japan. Um, it's, it's happened in many places. Fortunately, Japan was a little bit ahead. But when that tsunami happened in Indonesia, um, they, the government did not have the systems in place, the warning systems that could trigger them. And we all know what happened there. It created a lot of devastation, not only physically, which a tsunami, a tsunami is obviously going to do. And, and even with warning, you can only mitigate that so far. But the loss of lives was just tragic and chaotic. And it's because the government didn't have the systems in place. Governments all over the world have worked to create warning systems um, that prepare us and let us know ahead of time. These are the things that we really need to be focused on. And I'm going to talk here in a few minutes on, you know, the seven things that really are warning signs or drivers that we need to be paying attention to in the financial arena that will give us a warning, just like these governments have put into place when tragedy is is coming toward us, or at least give us insight into what's coming. Um, Last Thursday, the hot news was the stock market was taking a hit on the heels of less than good news about inflation. This is an article from finance.yahoo.com. When a revised reading on December inflation came in slightly higher than economists had expected, the S&P 500 dropped almost a full percent in early trading. The specter of the potential Fed reaction in terms of interest rates spooked investors who were hoping for interest rate drops in the coming years. Now, again, we're still listening to the Fed. Are they going to drop? Are they going to raise? I have a feeling that they are definitely going to drop for reasons that I don't want to get into here. We talked about this pretty extensively on the last episode of the King's Table podcast. Make sure you're following that on YouTube. Head on over there and look up the last episode from last week. Um, We got into some of this and actually we talk about it quite often. But I'm not going to really, you know, digress and go too far into that here. The increase in inflation was negligible, but its effect demonstrates the volatility of the stock market and its sensitivity to the smallest piece of news or rumor. Key news, rumor. To put it into perspective, the December Consumer Price Index, the CPI, showed prices ticked up slightly at 0.3% over November's 0.2% increase. Prices rose 3.4% over the prior year, an increase from the 3.1% increase seen in the month prior. 
It was that 0.3% increase that rattled investors and had them selling off. And again, 0.3% increase, it might not seem like that much, but extrapolated year over year, um, it, it can compound pretty, it can have big effects at the end of the day. The problem with the stock market is that driving factors behind stock prices often have little to do with underlying economic metrics or when economic factors are in fact in play, the effect on stock market prices is often overblown. This goes both ways, by the way. Sometimes when you see stocks, you know, rallying and certain companies, you know, just exploding, it might not even be for underlying economic factors. It could just be um, that it's one of the darlings. And, you know, teams are really good at sharing information the way that they want to share it. And oftentimes when stocks increase, it's not necessarily because of the performance of a business, et cetera. This is one of the reasons why I love real estate, by the way, even though real estate has its ups and downs, it is a little bit more predictable if you're paying attention to, you know, the macroeconomic perspective, which is one of the reasons why I'm assuming you're listening to this podcast. We need to try to understand and get from as many sources as possible what the heck is really going on. So here's the seven things that really affect market drivers um, in no particular order. Number one, the state of the economy. Factors like unemployment have a significant impact on investors' feel, whether it's positive or negative about economic growth. Number two, inflation. Inflation hits the pocketbooks and when buying power goes down because of an increase in the overall cost of goods and services, investors will often sell some of their stock to hoard cash. Number three, interest rates. Rising interest rates have, have a negative impact on company borrowing and expenses, which impacts the bottom line and stock prices. As a side note too, obviously it impacts everyday uh, you know, Americans and people in the world across the board. Industry and individual company news. Industry news such as stagnant EV demand or individual company news such as Tesla holding off on building a factory because of weakened demand can have a ripple effect across the entire stock market. Um, consumer spending. Stock prices are also highly correlated with consumer spending and consumer confidence. Weak consumer spending can put a damper on sales and profits, which impacts stock prices. Institutional and major investor behavior. Investors behave like a herd, and they often monitor the habits of big institutional investors like mutual funds, hedge funds, and Warren Buffett to mirror their own investing behavior. We see these swings all the time. And lastly, world events. Geopolitical turmoil can cause major volatility in the stock market. Wars, terrorists, attacks, assassinations, and the like can wreak havoc on the markets. One study even found that from 1941 to 1920, the S&P 500 stock index fell an average of 5% during 20 major geopolitical crises, including the attack on Pearl Harbor, the assassination of President John Kennedy, and the 9-11 terror attacks. This is a, uh, quoted out of a Time article. Um, so as you can see, um, external factors really impact this, but if we can learn to see it and realize it, and, you know, an old saying is that history repeats itself, um, which I also believe that we're in a time where I don't know how much we can look at history when it comes to financial news, because we're in a weird time that we've never been in before. But history does repeat itself. And so if we're paying attention to this stuff, and we're also understanding the underlying economic movers and, and things that are really impacting this, it can help us in our investment portfolio. In our modern time connected society, as I was talking about earlier, it's not just the factors listed above that drive the markets. The internet and social media have turned to talking heads, non-experts, and influencers 
into market drivers. One only has to look back at 2020 to see the influence of the internet on the stock market and the rise of meme stocks when a group of amateur investors on the Wall Street Bets forum on Reddit wreaked havoc on short-selling hedge funds by driving up the stock prices of multinational companies like GameStop. This is the crazy thing that we have to be careful of when we're looking for where are we getting our news from. Make sure that who you're listening to has actually experienced and done what it is that you're really investing in or um, you know getting information from. Because of stock market volatility, the ability to buy and sell stocks with a swipe or a click, the stock market is vulnerable to the slightest piece of news or rumor. A ripple can turn into a tsunami within hours. Smart investors avoid tsunamis by avoiding the Wall Street ocean altogether. It's why they consistently allocate more than half of their portfolios to assets that are insulated from typical market drivers. Smart investors avoid volatile public markets in favor of private ones with a preference for the assets that are insulated from market volatility and from inflation and downturns. Their assets of choice cash-flowing real estate, and income-producing businesses. Sophisticated investors invest in demand. They don't invest in abstract demand, such as demand for crypto, NFTs, etc. They invest in real demand, especially demand tied to essential goods and services like housing, food, and energy. And as COVID proved, certain essential items, such as affordable housing, can even thrive during difficult times of households downsized to adjust for inflation or recession. This is a great place to interject this is why I love manufactured housing. I've been investing in manufactured housing since 2007. At one point in time, we owned over 35 communities. We're down to about 20 right now. That doesn't mean that you know challenges don't exist. People get into this sector and they think it's going to be easy, again, because talking heads, because of influencers, because people are saying, hey, manufactured housing is easy. Um, you know, you buy a community of 70 spaces, you don't have to worry about maintenance, um, because you just, uh, rent the pads and sell the homes. Well, that's true. But also at the end of the day, it's not that easy to get homes. We had issues, uh, personally, even during COVID, we couldn't get homes for, you know, 12 to 18 months. We didn't know exactly when they were going to be showing up. There are challenges in every sector. And so even within that, you have to be careful what you invest in and who you invest with, because the education and the learning curve is challenging. And that's really where, like I was saying in the beginning, you have to determine, am I going to be a landlord or am I going to invest passively with other people and being an accredited investor? I often say, if you want to identify as anything, identify as an accredited investor, figure out how I have to get there. What do I have to do to get there? Because the reality is there's investments that are, you know, reserved for accredited investors that only they can get access to in the passive arena. It's really challenging to get true passive income, but this is one of the ways to do it. And so again, this is a great place to interject. If you are interested in passive investment and you're an accredited investor and you want access to the manufactured housing space, we have uh, two funds open, an income fund and an equity fund. Um, text the word income to 480-531-7519. Or again, shoot me an email at mike at michaelayella.com. Reach out to me on Instagram. Tell me, uh, just text the word passive and, and we'll get you on the list. But again, as COVID proved certain essential items such as affordable housing, they thrive during difficult times. When things are good, affordable housing is good because we always need it. When things are bad, it gets even better from an investment perspective because demand goes up during challenging times because of inflation, recession, um, wages not keeping up with inflation, et cetera. So smart investors don't try to do it all on their own. They would rather spend their time focusing on people and activities that they love or that they're good at 
by investing passively in inflation and recession-resistant cash-flowing assets, they're able to provide themselves with peace of mind from a reliable income and a portfolio growth even during uncertain times. So let me wrap this up. Avoid public market tsunamis triggered by the slightest piece of negative news or rumor. Try the private markets instead. So if you're an accredited investor and you've never tried this, maybe you should think about it. Our income fund has a minimum investment of $50,000. The equity fund is $100,000. And it's not just us. There's oil and gas investments. There's multifamily investments. There's been challenges in these investments. Again, we've had some of them. But at the end of the day, there's also opportunity. Make sure you're vetting out the investors or the investments that you're investing with. Um, but I would encourage you um, to maybe consider private investing um, to get access in your portfolio to a truly passive investment strategy. There's very few of them out there. There's been this whole idea of get into real estate. It's passive. It's not if you want to become a landlord and that's okay. If you're looking to roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty, maybe you want to try it. Maybe you want to understand it. But the thing that I would encourage you along the way, make sure you do not lose sight of your flywheel, the main business or the main source of income that is really spinning off the capital that's going to get you to the long-term success that you're looking for. So again, whether you're interested in the dinner, text the word dinner. If you're interested in investing, text the word income to 480-531-7519. I'm really looking forward to this dinner. Ken is a rock star. Chris is a rock star. Um, you're going to be in a room full of peers that are going to be, again, um, setting your value investing strategy, your investing strategy based on your own values, not so much, you know, picking penny socks and value investing. Let's start investing led by our values. Thank you for listening to the Investing for Freedom podcast. I would encourage you, if you've got value out of this, please, please, please share it with someone. Leave me a five-star review if it's worth it. And lastly, don't forget to head on over to YouTube and follow the King's Table podcast. I think you'll really enjoy it. Go out there, make it great. Find your freedom by investing for freedom. Get in the rooms. Get the education that you need. And again, at the end of the day, don't be too scared of failure. I've had just as many failures, if not more, as I've had successes. But it's those failures that really teach us what we need to know for the next investment, the next season, et cetera. Just try to mitigate that by getting in bigger rooms, surrounding yourself with intelligent people. The Bible actually says that there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Why? Because you get to hear a lot of different opinions, and then you get to digest that and condense it down to your own investment strategy led by your own values. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.